Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. All right. So, Madigan, you and I did our our warm-up already. We did our catch-up for the week. Yes. We're both, you know, going through it right now. It's Little a difficult bit. time to be alive. Yes. I Not mean, that we want to start every episode by saying it's a difficult time to be alive. Everybody knows. I mean, have we started it any differently in the last two and a half years? That's very true. <laughs> Look, you know, you know, listeners. You're all in the same place as us. Yeah. And also Mercury's in retrograde. So of course it is. That's probably why I'm so sleepy. I should I should consult an astrologer. Like, is this why I'm so tired all the time? Is it because of the planets? I don't know. I feel like for me, it's like maybe an iron deficiency or something. <laughs> I, I know. Go. I should start taking <laughs> iron. I've been taking B12 for energy. I just ran mm. out of, of my B12 supplements. But That's uh, why you're so tired. Your body is lacking that B12 it's used to getting. Maybe. And I'm trying to substitute know. with caffeine and it is not working, my friend. Not the same kind of energy. No. <laughs> Different after effects. Oh, well, should we talk about some news stuff? Yeah. So I wanted to give an update on the Ghislaine Maxwell situation case. Wonderful. So there's good news uh, to follow up on our previous coverage. It looks like the verdict in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial may hold up after all. So if you remember, okay. um, not last week, I think, but the week before we were talking about how it was possible that the verdict would be compromised because a couple of jurors uh, spoke to the media about their own experiences in the deliberation room and how they had revealed to fellow jurors that they had been victims of child sex sexual assault and um that that could have prejudiced them. And so then Ghislaine's defense attorneys kind of like went into hyper mode to try and overturn this verdict. And the prosecutors well, and there was did seem also, to be running scared. Yeah, there was also the fact that these jurors may have lied on their questionnaires and things like that. That was kind of the other layers that they were going to go into the questionnaires and see if these jurors like blatantly lied when they were asked if they were or if they had had any experiences of sexual assault in the past. Right. And that appears to still kind of be up in the air. And that is the thing that I think will determine whether or not this ends up being a mistrial. But my mind was put somewhat at ease because I was thinking about this last night. And so I texted my friend who is a lawyer and I asked his thoughts on whether or not he thought the verdict was in jeopardy. And this is what he had to say. No. (laughs) Great. That's what he said at first. I had to kind of like press him for more of an explanation. And then this is what he said. And it's a little long, but I thought it was interesting. 
He said, people are allowed to bring their biases into the jury room, including being a victim. That is how the system is supposed to work. Collective experience and wisdom. If the juror was intentionally scheming to get on the jury to exact revenge, it could be that a fair verdict was impossible. The defense would have to show that a fair trial was impossible given the presence of this juror, and they cannot use any evidence about jury deliberations. Mm. Jurors repent convicting all the time and write letters saying how they were bullied or confused during deliberations or how another juror behaved improperly. It seldom overturns a verdict or never that I can remember. Not Mm. because it's not concerning, but because the rules forbid the court from considering it. It's about finality of verdict and not opening Pandora's box. So they're basically like, what goes on in the jury room? stays there basically like you're not supposed to dig into that too much right like if it if it was part of the actual court case if it was obvious from the beginning I mean I guess that is still kind of the question when it comes to how the jurors answered their questionnaires I think that's going to be really telling but I think that's a really good point that whatever happens when they're in the jury room speaking about their own experiences like that's how you would come to a verdict anyways but I can understand how you would have to identify whether or not that bias was harmful in the actual courtroom you know right right yeah because the Supreme Court has held that any jurors statements or testimony about the inner workings of deliberations cannot be used by lawyers challenging a verdict or by a judge deciding whether to overturn it. So uh, there is this law professor from Southwestern Law School in Los Angeles who has written extensively about this subject, and he basically said that it's a black box. Like, that jury room is a black box. The 12 people show up, they do their job, and then they go home. We don't want the court to scrutinize every juror's considerations. We don't want to dig in and start policing how the jury reaches its verdict. So... All of that to say that likely this case will not be overturned. So that's very good. Unless the juror lied during their questionnaire when they were asked if they had been a victim of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. or if the judge determines that if the defense had known the juror's histories during jury selection, that they could have challenged them for cause because they were not impartial. So we'll see. But I'm hopeful now. When they were when they asked the jurors, like, do you remember this question being asked? They said they didn't remember it being asked. However, it was on the questionnaire. Yeah. So the juror said that if it was on the questionnaire, that he would have answered it truthfully on the questionnaire. But he doesn't remember because he kind of like flew through the questionnaire very quickly. And then in the follow-up questions, Who I don't... Who is this person? Right? Like, they like, just do don't seem that? like they take anything seriously. <laughs> how do you not remember that? That does feel very fishy to me. Like, that is something and that I feel And these are all, like, like, this is a huge case. Yes. I don't know about you, but if I was on that jury, like, that would be a huge life moment for me. And I would probably remember a lot of detail. I mean, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to, like, blame this person or whatever it just it all does seem a little bit fishy to me yes and honestly and like and I'm not saying this obviously because I want anything to happen with this conviction I want it to stay the way it is but I have to say it does worry me when I hear this because we want Ghislaine Maxwell to stay guilty but what about someone who's like wrongfully convicted or like something bad happens like then 
would we want there to be some sort of policing of the jury? I don't know. Like, that's just kind of where my head went. Like, well, I don't think that there should be policing of what happens in the jury deliberation room. Like, I do think that there is some like sanctity as far as that is involved. However, that is why these questionnaires and these questions previous to and during jury selection are important. Like, right. you have to answer these questions You have truthfully. to preemptively do that before you even get to the jury right. room. Right, and then whatever right. happens in the jury room happens. And that is how our legal system should work. And even if you speak to the media afterwards, it, should, it shouldn't matter. But what about, like pressure or harassment or anything like that like what I I know that you were saying that a lot of juries will later say that they were but like what if there really was like some sort of coercion or harassment or anything like that for others to be able to come to a conclusion I don't know I'm just like that's where my crazy head was going I'm watching the Sopranos right now and I just watched the Godfather for the first time and in both of those or the Godfather part two and in both of those there are, you know, court cases that are happening. And in Sopranos, yeah. that's what happens is like one of the jury members gets intimidated by the mob or whatever. Right. And I imagine in a case like that, if you can prove that an outside kind of influence is intimidating the jury, I'm sure that there are rules, for lack of yeah. a better term. <laughs> Honestly, that laws. that's just making me think of the shocking 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City with the pairs figure skating competition because there was all of this like threatening and money being passed around for them to make the Russian pairs team win when really the Canadian team should have won. It was a whole thing. There's documentaries about it. There's going to be an HBO document, like a whole series about it. I am so excited. I'm sorry. That just reminded me of that. But they had to kind of like go back and see like from where the corruption started within that whole event and things like that. I'm sorry. Again, my brain no. is tonight is just everywhere. That's okay. <laughs> Leave it to you to connect it back to figure skating or Wizard of Oz. It's always going to be one or the other. Or Golden Girls or you know what I mean? Like it's just a thing. <laughs> uh, but I guess the other part of that is the judge, it doesn't seem like brought it up with these two jurors afterwards. So there was the first round of jury selection where they had to fill out those questionnaires. Uh-huh. And then there was the second round where the judge then asked each potential juror specialized questions based on what they filled out on their questionnaire. And it doesn't appear as though the judge specifically at that point or at that stage of the jury selection process ever asked if they had been victims of that particular crime. And then there's also some kind of like ambiguity about Ghislaine Maxwell was facing like trafficking charges. She wasn't herself facing child sex abuse charges. See, that that is a really good point, and I didn't even think about that. Right, so it also kind of depends on how the question was asked, because oftentimes the question will be asked, like, were you a victim of a crime, of the crime that is being, that Ghislaine Maxwell is being accused of, right? And technically, she's being accused of trafficking, not child sex abuse so okay you know there yeah. is kind of some a gray area there so little loopholes in yeah. there yeah i have okay. hope that her verdict will stand and if it doesn't i will be contacting my lawyer friend and telling him that he lied to me <laughs> uh, but fingers crossed as you should yeah definitely <laughs> are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, well, kind of sticking with the law theme, I want to talk about a Republican lawmaker that is trying to pass a bill that includes taking away rights for trans and non-binary people to be able to use their bathrooms in yeah it's like it feels like enough like you're beating a dead horse at this point like it has been like a decade i know i know it's a lot but there's this house bill 1126 that was introduced by this guy john avoli i keep wanting to say ravioli it's avoli and if passed it would require school boards in virginia to adopt policies that prevent trans students and staff from accessing restrooms that align with their gender identity it would also prevent trans people from using same-sex locker rooms and other changing facilities and public school buildings and extend to any same-sex lodging accommodations used during school-sponsored trips. The bill says that single-use restrooms and locker rooms should be accessible by request, but only if the school can reasonably accommodate such a request. Okay, I I don't understand how they think that this is better. Like, to me, it's such a, a wild misunderstanding of what of who trans people are yeah (laughs) you know like it's there is still whether or not you agree with it right there is still like it fucking exists it doesn't matter like i think what you're trying to say like it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not it exists and you have to be able to give people a right to use the fucking bathroom Right, I lost you know my I mean? train of thought completely. So. No, I got you. <laughs> it's messy. But but yeah, it just, it honestly, it doesn't make any sense to do this, right? Because it's just like, if you have a, um, and I'll use these terms, but if you have somebody who's transitioning male to female, right, and you are forcing them to be in a locker room or a changing room with 
women, there is still a man in that locker room. Yes, right? I guess that that's what I'm trying to say. It's and, just like you have a, and that's you have the a thing. very basic misunderstanding of what trans is. Totally. And I think that there's also probably going to be rules within a lot of the schools that you can't, that you're not going to have, um, you know, both sexes in the same locker room. So if you're transitioning, where are you going to go? Where where are you supposed to go? And then also there's this like very isolating aspect to it because Think about like when you would go to the bathroom with your girlfriends in school or when you would like go to a changing room or anything like that. Like I feel like that is such a part of like our social environment when we're young that even just not being allowed to like share the space with other people is like very isolating to have to like go somewhere and ask for a isolated space just for you. Like that's a very... It's demeaning. It's demeaning and it's taking away like a a part. Like I know it sounds dumb because it's a bathroom, but like I have so many memories of shenanigans in bathrooms growing up and things like that. And it's it is part of like finding your sense of community, being with your friends no matter what, instead of having to be like, hold up, let me go over to the office, get a key to the separate bathroom. I can't. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like right. it's I mean, speaking as in my experience as a woman, right? Like that is kind of a joke that's always made. Like women go to the bathroom together. They go to the bathroom in like herds, right? Because right. we do like we go in there and we gossip and we chat and we like yeah. hang out. And we do our makeup and like it is it is part of that experience. Everyone talks about like, oh, all the the drunk girls you meet at bars and don't we miss all those friends we made in bars? Yes. And it's like, yes. yeah, there, there is a socialization aspect to all of but it, like, certainly. I even remember the boys in like my middle school, especially like they would all go to the bathroom together. I remember one in particular because he peed on the fucking radiator and made our entire floor smell like burnt piss. On purpose? On purpose. It was like a dare between like that. The boys had to have their bathroom door taken off because they were getting into so much shenanigans in the bathroom. Like we were like doing each other's makeup and like spreading gossip. They were, like, causing vandalism and making the whole school smell like pee. So it was very different. But, like, I feel like for, like, both genders in a way, there is kind of this, like, bathroom culture, which I don't know. I don't know why that made me think of it. But, like, to me, that seems very isolating to not do what everybody else is doing. But anyways, um, this bill actually goes against the Supreme Court ruling in favor of Gavin Grimm, who was banned from using the correct bathroom in 2014 when he was 15 years old. A federal court ruled that the school's ban was discriminatory in 2019, and the ruling was upheld by an appeals court the following year. So he is going up against a Supreme Court, not hearing, what's the word I'm looking for? Judgment. Along with the atrocious anti-bathroom policy, Avoli's bill would also allow any parent to opt their child out of any class or course activity, lesson, or assignment that the parent objects to. And of course, you know what the next thing is I'm going to say. What am I going to mention next? Oh, I don't know. Critical race theory, <laughs> Keegan. Okay, I was Critical say race that, but theory. I wasn't sure if we were taking that turn yet. All right. Okay. okay. I so see. I a- knew. I knew there'd be some level of like wavelength between us. So this was a. It was almost like a loophole for them to get at that as well. Yes, it's right, like they made like intentionally vague legislation in their wording, right? Okay, exactly. Yeah, so it would prohibit schools from teaching that the U.S. is quote fundamentally racist or that oh quote. Any individual is racist, privileged, oppressive, biased, or responsible for the actions committed by others of the same race. How do you teach history? 
how do you teach history? There's going to be no morals. It's going it's just going to be this happened. But like the point of learning and teaching history is to be able to learn from history so we don't fuck up again the same way in the future. Like without having those morals and understanding, you're not even giving kids an education. Right. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I saw a tweet that I saved and I've I've had it saved for a while that said and it, and it really like stuck with me and it said, you know, I've never seen a black parent asked their opinion on how race is taught in schools. Like mm. it's always white parents who are talking about how tough this is for them and their kids. And yeah. I've never seen a parent of color be asked about how they feel about how their kids are being taught in schools. Yeah. Like, why is that? Mm, you I know, like that. It's, that's, it's, that's a really important distinction to make. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, to take it back to, you know, the, the trans bathroom issue, which for some right. reason is, is still an issue. Um, <laughs> what just, year are we in? <laughs> it's, it's so wild to me, and it's, it's just so unbelievably discriminatory. It makes me think so much about why people are so up in arms about J.K. Rowling, for instance, right? Because she has been propagating this idea or this belief that having trans people in bathrooms is dangerous and like what are you saying about trans people that you're saying that they're all inherently dangerous right. or that it could be used for um less than savory like, yeah reasons. We, like somebody who's unscrupulous could pretend to be trans to get right into a woman's and i can't remember room. if it was a mini episode or if it was a full-length episode where we talked about that a lot we did a full-length episode on, on that's JK what I, rowling yes we that's did. what i thought but mm-hmm. was it but not just jk rowling but talking about um the idea of like creating fear and danger surrounding these people and like that whole idea i remember going into that at some point we did an episode on the netflix documentary maybe that was where we talked about it a lot but there is some episode where we go into that a lot and it is it's so important to remember not really there isn't a lot of evidence that that is a thing that happens. And because yet it's it fucking is a thing not. that TERFs point to constantly and a thing that these people who are making these legislation, um, you know, all of these bills and laws and yeah. proposing these To ideas. me, that's like, that would be like a predator, not a trans person. Like, I don't right. think a trans person's reason behind transitioning would be in order to get into someone else's bathroom like that sounds like the movie plot for a movie from the 90s like that's not actually gonna happen it's simply a way for you to try and justify your bigotry you're hiding behind this thing where you can say like okay but this could happen and that is scary and I can hide behind my fear when really what you're saying is I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to change I don't I don't like change you know like that's what you're saying Uh, it's it's ridiculous and I'm uh, enough upsetting <laughs> enough yeah. with the bathroom stuff stop <laughs> just poop and pee where you please I don't need to know anything else about it yeah uh okay so the next headline for the next topic that I have uh is things are not looking great for old Mr. Trump let's get into it <laughs> let's get into it uh his Wednesday in particular was very bad it was not a good day for him on Wednesday, the New York Attorney General, Letitia 
uh, James said that her investigation into the Trump organization has turned up a number of, quote, misleading statements and omissions in tax disclosures and financial statements used to secure loans. As a result of those findings, she said that she needs the former president, as well as Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr., to testify about what they knew and when they knew it. She's like, mm. Mm, a lot of this stuff doesn't stack up. On that same day, Wednesday, the Supreme Court allowed more than 700 documents from the presidential record to be sent to the U.S. House Committee investigating the attack on Jan 6. Ooh! Mm-hmm. The documents include activity logs, schedules, speech notes, and three pages of handwritten notes from the then White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Paperwork Ooh. that could reveal goings on in the West Wing as Trump supporters gathered in Washington and overran the Capitol. In October of last year, Trump had tried to sue the House Select Committee investigating this attack, as well as the National Archives to stop these documents from being turned over. Mm-hmm. And on Wednesday, the Supreme Court was like, no, not today. Yeah, no, not going to happen. Um, Trump's week continued to be shitty when on Thursday, the Fulton County District Attorney in Florida requested a special grand jury as part of an investigation into Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in the state. Oh, shit. So this is all on top of the fact that he is currently facing a probe into his business practices by the Manhattan District Attorney, as well as a lawsuit from his niece, Mary Trump. Yep. Who's alleging that who wrote a tell all book about him hates this man. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she is alleging that he, his sister and his late brother committed fraud to keep her from getting her fair share of the Trump estate. Mm. So besides just wanting to see this walking pile of shit fail at right. every available opportunity. Right. And I, yeah, I do. Uh, it's also good because it could pose as a potential impediment to Trump's return to the political stage. Thank so, God. Make totally. it stop. Yeah. I mean, I still think, unfortunately, I believe with all my heart that we are going to lose or we. I don't even want to include myself anymore. I'm going to stop doing that. The Democrats. Democrats are going to lose the midterms. And I mm-hmm. think that Democrats will also lose in 2024. Um, yeah, we're not doing so great right now. President are, Biden isn't looking so good. It is bad out there, my friends. Remember when we were really bad. happy about Biden for like two seconds? Well, the thing is, that was I'm a good day. <laughs> happy Biden won, right? Of course. You know, I mean, the alternate was would given have been the options. disastrous. But I mean, right. still not so pleased that it's him. He's done no. a really shitty job. No, but at least we can hold out hope that with all these legal hurdles that Trump has to jump through, that it will keep him from being able to run in 2024. So we right. can cross our fingers for that. It might be our only hope because not to be bleak, but I really do feel like if he runs in 2024, he's going to win. So yeah, for real. And, I, and look, my mental health cannot handle it okay no i mean we thought we were moving to canada the first time like we're really moving to canada. <laughs> i can't do it i'm already like barely hanging on right I with, won't with do omicron it. with the last couple of years we've had <sighs> like i yeah my friends are already talking about like oh, i can't wait for ha- hot vac summer again and i'm like is this just gonna be every year every like, year every year although i have to lives, say so happen i, I 
I'm not going to get into it because we don't have as much time, but I did take some notes about Omicron this week. And I do have to say that I'm not Dr. Fauci. I'm not a doctor. Do not take any of this as medical advice for me in any way, shape or form. But because we are starting to see things improve on the East Coast right now, like in New York and things like that. It looks like it's going from east to west, which is the same way that it started, um, that we should start seeing numbers improve. And they're saying that one positive thing about Omicron being as aggressive as it was is that it could be one step closer to herd immunity because everybody will have either been infected or immunized. Except you and me. Except you and me. Okay. Well, we're we're immunized. immunized. Right. But they're saying that if enough people got it or have the vaccines, that that's going to help us reach herd immunity as well. So, again, I just read a couple articles (laughs) that I felt like were legit from good sources. I'll put them in. I'm not a doctor. Please don't quote me. Saying anything medical always makes me so nervous. Um, But, yeah. So, it does look like there should be a light at the end of the tunnel. Knock on wood. I hope so. I'm so pessimistic at this point that I'm like, I just would love to someday feel okay going into a grocery store without a mask yeah. on someday. I would also you know? just like to be able to make plans again. You know oh what I mean? Like gosh, I felt like we were kind of getting back to that. And now I'm like, I've got a birthday party and all, and I'm like, I don't know. Like probably uh, yeah, not. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I have been trying to put on shows. I've got a show that I'm supposed to be traveling to Springfield for in the spring. And I, I just don't know. Like everyone I know has Omicron right now and we're trying to hold auditions and we're trying to figure out like, okay, we need to go back to having like really strict protocols because we cannot be, we cannot have people getting sick. You know? Yeah. It's insane. Everybody. All right. Well, that's all we have for you today. If there's anything that you want us to touch on next week, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Before I forget, I almost forgot, I wanted to mention that y'all have nine days, 10 days. How many days are in January? 31? 31. 31. So you have 10 days left to get your holiday Slay the Patriarchy merch getting ready for next holiday season. So you've got only a little bit of time left to get that. If you want any of our merch, you can go to our Instagram and go to the link in our bio. You can also go to our Facebook. We have a business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but certainly not least, the best way you can possibly support us is by giving us a positive five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't done so already please 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 do so and we will love you everyone who has done so recently because oh my gosh yeah getting new reviews at least once a week for a while now and it's been absolutely wonderful thank you so so much we really appreciate it yeah like i know that it's like we say it every episode and we like tell you what's important but honestly that truly is the best way that you can support us. And it means a lot to us, not just to see the wonderful things that you have to say about us and the show, but seeing your support in that way really does help us progress further. And we really, really appreciate you showing the love. So thank you. All right. That's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage rage on. on. Bye. Thank you. 
Nowadays, trends and news cycles change faster than we can blink. But there are some things that withstand the test of time. And if you're looking for a connection to something timeless, and maybe also a glimpse of life at a slower pace, I believe everyone can relate to the very human experiences explored in Jane Austen's novels. And that's where I come in. My name is Alison Larkin. I'm a writer, comedian and narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin. I spent a lot of my childhood in the part of England where Jane Austen lived and wrote. And now that I live in the States, nothing gives me a sense of homecoming quite like narrating her books. On this show, you'll listen to award-winning narration. I'll give myself a pat on the back for that as well as conversations with actors, writers and other fascinating people who all share a passionate love for Jane Austen. So please, join me as we embark on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's work. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.